Our second lesson today is also full of the gospel. It comes from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia. I'm reading the last few verses of Galatians 3. So listen now for the word of the Lord. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some of you seem to enjoy the story I told last week about Cardinal Jack Nicholas and Rabbi Tiger Woods. Here's another story. It's not about golf, but it's about Sunday school. A certain Christian educator was talking to her Sunday school class to children to see if they understood um, the concept of getting into heaven. She asked them, if I sold my house, and if I sold my car, and if I had a big garage sale and gave all my money to the church, would that get me into heaven? And they said, no. If I cleaned out the church every day, if I mowed the lawn around the church, if I kept everything tidy at the church, would that get me into heaven? They said, no. And again, they were clear. She said, if I gave candy to all the children, and if I loved my husband, would that get me into heaven? And again, they answered, no. And the Christian educator was just about bursting with pride for how well she had taught the children, because, you know, you don't get into heaven because of what you do. So she asked them, then how can I get into heaven? And one little boy shouted out from the back, you have to die first. (laughs) The question about heaven has long perplexed us, and we've spent a lot of energy as Christians across the ages talking about how do you get into heaven. You may have heard me mention the recent book by Rob Bell, prominent writer and Christian author and preacher. He's written several books lately. This book I'm talking about is entitled Love Wins. The basic point of that good book affirms that God loves us. God offers us grace and God offers us everlasting life and it's freely given and there's no merit on our part. Life is not about getting into heaven or avoiding hell. Bell argues over and over in the pages of that book that heaven and hell are topics that have too often been misinterpreted and misunderstood. In fact, God's love is what prevails. Bell asserts that we are to live boldly into that love and from that love and not out of fear and not out of dread, but in gratitude and grace in loving response. We are loved. 
bountifully, beautifully, fully. We are accepted, he says, over and over, forgiven, embraced. We're to live in that love. Love wins. Rob Bell's book angered lots of Christians around the country and around the world, Christians who are more familiar with a faith and a theology rooted in fear and rooted in punishment. And lots of Christians have long believed that Christian life meant working ourselves into position to get into heaven. But Jesus says something else. Jesus arrives on the scene and he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come and follow me. The gift of heaven is offered and it's for the now. We can even experience it in the now, he says, as we receive God's love and as we live into that love and then as we work with Jesus in love and hope in our city and across the world. So often we get this mixed up, and we have long gotten it mixed up. It's not a new problem or a controversy, this heaven talk. And as you heard in our first lesson today uh, that Jeff read, one night a juror came to Jesus, and he wanted to know how he could be saved. Did you catch that? He wanted to know how he could be saved. Jesus didn't get bogged down in the kind of isolated approach of what he should and shouldn't be doing. Jesus did not say, Nicodemus, you must stop lying and start telling people the truth. Jesus didn't say to Nicodemus, you must stop cheating if you're doing that. He did not say to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must quit all your scheming ways. He didn't. Jesus said something altogether different because Jesus realized What is very basic, if a person will lie, she will steal. And if a person will steal, he will kill. So instead of getting bogged down in one thing after another, Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. What Jesus was getting at was the basic structure of our lives, the the foundation, the heart, the mindset The orientation of our living, that's the point. It's always about the heart and the very essence of our lives, our orientation toward living and loving. Any kind of transformation that will get us closer to the reign of God, closer to heaven on earth, cannot just come from changes in our behavior. We need to be, in Jesus' words, born from above, changed in who we are, from the inside out. The transformation has to reach deep into our hearts, behind and underneath the structures and the practices, beyond the laws and the habits that we live out. Our whole person, not just the things that we do, but the very core of our lives, needs to change in order to experience the kingdom of heaven. And it is God who is doing the changing. When our hearts are changed, When we're born from above, as he tells Nicodemus, everything about us changes. How we live, what we do, how we function, how we uh, function in the world, and indeed how the world even functions. And it is God, active, doing the changing. This change of heart is not something we do. This born from above happens because of God. 
God is at work on us. God is at work in us. God is at work through us, through the Word and through the Spirit. We can participate in the process. We can open ourselves to this change. We can seek to be recipients of this grace. That's our calling, but it is God who is doing the work. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, it's not what you can do to be saved, or you're not the one doing the saving, actually, but God working in and through, through you to bring about this real transformation, which is heaven into our midst. In our second lesson today, we shift to Galatians. We encounter again the Apostle Paul. For much of Paul's life, you may remember, especially his religious life, he approached religion like many people have done. Too often, religion is about controlling people, keeping people in their place. Too often, religion is about telling people what to believe or how to live or else God will punish them. This continues to be a real problem in our world, the oppressive and exclusive nature of religion, the history and the practices of religion that oppress and that coerce and that manipulate and control people. That is a long and tedious and unfortunate history. It's little wonder that people who see and experience religion like that run away from it and run fast, as they should. For much of his religious life, Paul participated in this kind of religion. He thought he knew what was right. He got his mind and his heart around it, and he felt called to be a religious leader. And that led him, friends, into persecuting people, persecuting Christians who did not believe and act like he did. But then, as you also may know, Paul experienced a major conversion by Jesus to something radically different, a free life with God grounded in God's love and seeking to love. His conversion experience turned Paul around. Through Jesus, Paul learned that God is not some impersonal force to be used to make people behave a certain way, but a loving, personal, present Savior who sets us free to live in a free life with God partnering with God in the healing of the world. God does not coerce from without, but sets us free from within, changing our hearts, transforming our lives to live with and for God and empowering us to be partners with God in the healing of the world. This conversion was a glorious experience for Paul, and it set Paul free to tell others about it, introducing and inviting everyone he met into this free life, life with God, life serving God with love. He founded churches in various places. One of them was in Galatia. Within a few years after Paul established this church in Galatia, Paul learned that some of the religious people from the old school had come into those churches, particularly in Galatia. They were trying to take the people back to the old ways of duty and oppression and coercion and controlling and keeping people in their place. They were herding all of these freedom-loving Christians back into the corral of religious rules and religious regulations. Paul was furious. 
He was furious at the old guard for coming in and with their strong-arm tactics of intimidating the Christians to give up their free life in Christ. He was also furious at the Christians for caving to this intimidation and forgetting all that Paul had taught them. The words that we read today from Galatians 3 may be the most succinct summary of all that he says to the church in Galatia. Here's how the verses are presented in the message, a contemporary translation. Until the time came when we were mature enough to respond freely in faith to the living God, we were carefully surrounded and protected by the Mosaic law. The law was like those Greek tutors with which you are familiar, who escort children to school and protect them from danger and distraction, making sure the children will get ready to get to the place and really get to the place that they set out for. But now you have arrived at your destination. By faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe, Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original purpose. See, according to Paul, the law has been helpful and it's been important. It keeps people safe and it keeps them out of mischief as we seek to live life with God and for God. But now, in Christ, with, while the law is important, we're not prisoners of the law. We're members of God's family, all of us. We belong fully to God, all of us. All of us belong to God. We are loved and we are held and we are cared for through all things that come our way. We are recipients of the Spirit. We are made new. We are made whole. We're free to live into and for the full reign of God, the new heaven that God offers now and forever. And since we are all children of God, claimed and loved and held and gifted and blessed, all the old distinctions that we seem to love and that we seem to exaggerate, all of those are no longer relevant. In Christ's family, there is no longer Jew or non-Jew, he says. In Christ's family, there's no longer slave and no longer free, no longer male, no longer female. We are all God's children. Just as Abraham was promised one family through whom the whole world would be blessed, that family is emerging in Christ. That's what Paul's saying. So all the distinctions fall away. All the ways that we tend to categorize people fall away. In God's family, there are no distinctions, Jew or Greek, Asian or American, immigrant or citizen, gay or straight, black or white, or any other categories that we want to come up with, they all fall away. They're all irrelevant. We're all one family in Christ. We are so good at distinctions, aren't we? Separateness, exclusion, these have to be among our greatest sins. Skewing perceptions of reality and calling us to live so well with all these divisions that we come up with. 
along cultural lines or other lines, breeding fear, generating anger, generating alienation one from another. We're so good at that. And Paul reminds us, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, all are equal. That is, we're all in common relationship with Jesus Christ. We're equal recipients of the covenant promises that point us to eternal life. Heaven on earth. Love wins. See? God's purposes prevail. You belong. I belong. All belong to God. Heirs of salvation. There are no distinctions. Some are male. Some are female. Some are freer than others. Some of us have certain skin color. Others have others. Some of us have certain sexual orientations. Some of us say we're from this place. Or some of us say we do that and we don't do this. But all these distinctions are irrelevant for status before God. Paul asserts that we all belong in the family of God's children. We are given love and life This intends to shape how we live toward love, toward life for all people everywhere. I know that many of us here like music and various kinds of music. We celebrate that. I wonder if you know the music of the increasingly popular band Munford and Sons. Do you? This is a folksy group originally from England, but gaining tremendous popularity around the world and tremendous popularity across all the generations because their lyrics and their music inspire. One of Mumford and Sons' hit songs is entitled Sigh No More. Sigh No More. It starts out like this. Serve God, love me and mend, M-E-N-D. This is not the end. It goes on affirming love. Saying this, love, it will not betray you, dismay you, or enslave you. It will set you free. Be more like the person you are meant to be. Serve God, love, mend. Love will not betray you, dismay you, or enslave you. It will set you free. Be more like the person you are made to be. This is right in line with what Paul is trying to say, friends, to the people of Galatia and to us in Richmond today. Set free... To live in loving service, following Jesus. This song is in line with what we need to hear in our world when we're so good at divisions and distinctions instead of inclusion and love and care. The future of the world in these days depends on how we deal with difference. And there's so many Perceive differences all around. Paul says, you belong to God. I belong to God. We all belong 
to God. We're all part of Abraham's family, and we're all called to be a blessing to the world. When you know you belong, you live with love. When you know you belong, you seek to mend the world, acting as a partner with God in the healing and the hope. When you know you belong to Christ, it's not about being saved. It's about serving God in the world. When you know you belong, you realize the distinctions, they all are irrelevant. They do not matter. Love matters. And living in love is what matters. God calls us to be partners working for a new kind of world where people matter. Where human life is not just respected but revered where all will be secure and fear doesn't emerge because people are hungry or afraid. We're all called to be part of a world where there's more loving, more laughter, more gentleness, more caring, more sharing, and where peace and life emerge everywhere. Heaven on earth. May God remind us all we belong And life has a certain focus, loving and healing and helping, all and always. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. The final two hymns in our worship come from uh, some of the worship that we have on Wednesday. So we open our hearts and we commit our lives to the ways of love and discipleship following Jesus. Amen.